you've been with us much this year, you hopefully realize that we're working on a theme called Walking Worthy of Your Calling. We're looking at our key verse of Ephesians 4.1, where Paul urged us to walk worthy of our calling. He talks for the first few chapters of Ephesians about life in Christ and what Christ has done for us and all the wonderments of that. And then he says, because of that, uh, therefore, you ought to walk worthy. You ought to walk like you recognize that he died for you. Uh, This series that we are working on along that line is called Laying Aside, and that comes from Hebrews chapter 12, which has been mentioned a few times, and hopefully we're getting used to that verse. Uh, A little different version of it for this week. You can uh, read it in any version you want, and it says pretty much the same thing. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Uh, We spent a week on that passage, those three verses, uh, learning exactly what that meant. And now for, starting last week, we've been getting practical, uh, looking down into specific topics about how do we look for every weight every entangling sin, every ounce that we can get off. Because that's the principle of this. It's not about salvation this summer. It's about holiness. It's about laying aside. It's about saved people trying to walk worthy by looking for anything that slows us down, that keeps us from walking as worthily as we can. Uh, Last week we talked about dress, uh, our clothes and how we appear and uh, looked at some practical things there, hopefully. Today we turn to a, a even bigger topic, materialism. Uh, materialism, actually, I, I think we could do pretty much all summer on it by itself, uh, because I think it's not only such a big topic, but I think it's one that has uh, ensnared us, entangled us. Uh, we have some extra weight because of this, and I think I speak for almost everybody in here, there might be a few that aren't entangled some by today's materialistic world, but uh, I doubt it. Most of us have been ensnared a a little bit at least. Uh, If you don't know what materialism is, uh, one good way to find out things these days is just to go to Google Images and key in some word, and you'll get all kinds of posters and signs and illustrations uh, about that, and usually it's pretty close. Uh, these are a couple I found when I did that. Uh, one sign says, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And the other one just says it shorter, I want everything. Uh, that's materialism to some degree. Uh, my favorite in the Googling was this cartoon where there's one little boy with one toy left beside him, and he's looking forlornly over at a little girl that's sitting in a huge pile of toys, and she looks at him and says, Hey, that's mine. Uh, he's got one thing left, and she wants it. She wants everything. Uh, that's kind of a quick picture of materialism. The Oxford Dictionary is one of the many places I checked to see what a definition was, and it said, materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important 
than spiritual values. Now, I thought that was interesting because it put the spiritual concept in there. Uh, that's a pretty good definition. There's some truth in it. It's pretty close. It's better than a lot of definitions that if you look and it tells you about materialism and it just says it's about things. It's, a, it's about stuff. It's about having too many things, wanting too many things, having too much stuff, possessions. Well, it is, but I hope we learn today that it's dangerous to make materialism, our definition, make it all about stuff. In fact, it's really not about stuff. Let's look at it this way. Uh, is it wrong to want things? Now, some of you may be familiar with this magazine I put on the screen. I put on three copies of it. Uh, you can get it at any newsstand. It's called the Rob Report, R-O-B-B Report. Uh, and it is about stuff. Uh, they put out issues each year on, there's one you see there about ultimate homes, about the $15 million mansions and all that. Uh, they put out one about the car of the year and all of the cars that they've got in it are worth a half million dollars or so. Uh, and then the one time a year they put out a deal called the best of the best. And they list all the best things in the world. The best clothes, the best cars, the best houses, the best jewelry, the best watches, the best wine, the best... Everything you can think of, they pick the best and publish it in there. Uh, I meant to go buy a, buy one of these and look through it for some up-to-date things uh, this week, but I number one, I forgot, and number two, I can't afford the magazine, so... I, <laughs> I didn't get... I have bought it before just to look at it. Uh, because it's an amazing thing. There, there are truly amazing things in their list of the best. For instance, uh, the best watch. Uh, the one they list, or the one they listed while I looked online for some of these, was a Petit Philippe or something from Switzerland. And it's the Sky Moon model of this watch. Uh, cost $570,000. Yeah, I said that. $570,000. And you think, there's nobody that could afford that. They have a five-year waiting list. Uh, people are waiting for them. Okay? Uh, sunglasses. That one interested me because the one that they say is the best. Of course, it does have an 18-karat gold frame, but the sunglasses are $9,950. I Bound to be good sunglasses. $9,950. You know how many pairs of sunglasses my wife can buy for $9,950? <laughs> it's easy. She goes to the dollar store, so it's 9,950 pairs. That lasts you a long time. Uh, socks. They had one on socks. I, I sometimes look at the clothes and see what they recommend. But socks, they got this guy that makes socks out of cashmere and vicuna and something called gervelt, which is the down off of a red deer from some strange country. And it's the most comfortable material in the world. Now, the regular socks made out of cashmere and stuff are around $400. Okay, one pair of socks. If you get the Gervell ones, those are 
Now, if I had a $1,275 pair of socks, I would not cover them up with shoes. In fact, I'd roll my cuffs up a little bit so you could see. And I assume that's what people do that have these things. Uh, Now, obviously, everything I just told you in the last few minutes is bizarre. I mean, this group sitting here just said, well, that's nuts. That's absolutely crazy. Now, think about this, however. This is what baffles me. That's what everything in this magazine is. Normal people can't afford anything in there. Absolutely nothing. But it sells on every newsstand in Wichita. You can go to any Dillon's and buy it. I don't know how many people buy it every month, but they sell enough that they're on the newsstand. You understand that? Nothing in there anybody can afford, but people are looking in there. People are are, are thinking. People are coveting. Or maybe they have a sermon to preach and they just need some examples. I don't know. But my guess is people are looking at stuff and dreaming about, man, what would it be like to have that? Now, the reason I listed all those things for you is because those are so clearly over the top, out of line, that any list we made of this is materialistic. We'd put those things on there. But where do we draw the line? The line gets hard to draw if we're going to draw it for other people. I know that a $570,000 watch is materialistic. But where do I draw the line for what's not materialistic? Well, I can do that. I know exactly what's reasonable, what's Christian, what's holy to spend on a watch. It's $124. Okay? Above that is materialistic. Okay? Now, the reason I told you that, the reason I confessed how much I spent for this watch is because some of you, when I said that, thought, man, what a cheapskate. You know, you got to have a nicer watch than that. And some of you thought, that guy's a spendthrift. You can get a good watch for $8. Okay? And that's right. You can, you can get a watch for $8 that keeps time just as well as $570,000 watch. Okay? But if we try to tell each other where the line is, you see what happens. Because everybody's in a different situation. Everybody's got different incomes, different uh, reasonings about things. We're at different levels of holiness. We, this isn't about drawing lines. It's about what hinders you in your race. It's about where you get into entangling sin. So it's not wrong to want things. It's about how we think about things. Let's take the level out of it, and let's make our definition this. For our purposes, let's just say materialism is an attitude about things. Now, the Oxford Dictionary had a little bit of that in there. It had how we consider material possessions. But let's just try to get this in our mind, that materialism is an attitude 
about things. Now, that attitude, what we think about things, in relation with spiritual things, and what priorities we put on them, materialism can be trouble. It's a part of the tricks of Satan to get us to want things. It's a natural human thing, if you will. It's of the flesh. It's of the world. But how we think about that compared to spiritual things, that's where our trouble comes from. So now we're going to do the same thing we did last week. We're going to go through three steps to kind of help with this attitude thing. So number one, if we're wanting to lay aside, let's read the Bible like we were pursuing holiness. Now we did this last week on dress, and I hope we learned a few things. And my point was this. Uh, I put some verses down there for you. Uh, Matthew sixteen twenty six, famous verse. Let's just read it quick Sunday school fashion. For what will it profit if a man who gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Okay, Sunday school, that's very, soul's very important. Rich people are in trouble. What that verse says. People that gain a whole lot, that have a whole lot, they're in trouble. Well, let's read it a little bit differently. Let's read it like we were pursuing holiness. What's that verse say to us? That verse is a mathematical equation. Those of you that like math, it simply says the whole world, everything in the world, add it all up and it's worth less than your soul. Your soul is worth more than everything put together in the world. All the material possessions, all the things you can think of, all the stuff, everything, your soul's worth more than that. That's what that verse says. Now, if it says that, and we're down here coveting the things in the best of the best list, isn't that some kind of warning for us? That verse says take everything in all 12 annual issues of the Rob Report, add them all up, and your soul's still more valuable. So what are you giving to get any of those things? Well, if you get to where you put your soul at risk, you've really blown it. Things, possessions, stuff aren't as valuable as the soul. And he takes it to the extreme, even if you took the whole world. And people give their souls up for a whole lot less than the whole world. Okay, let's go to Hebrews 13.5. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. Now, the basic there is, the quick reading is, we shouldn't love things, we shouldn't love money, and we ought to be content. That's a good explanation of that verse. It's a good, good quick explanation. But if you're reading through and you're looking for laying aside principles, if you're looking for holiness principles, if you're wanting to walk worthy, it, it says don't love money and it says be content, 
But what else does it introduce? The reason. That, that last part, we did, we just throw that away. In fact, we read that real fast if we read it at all. Uh, because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. That's the point. That's the laying aside concept in there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So don't love money. Be content with what you have. I'm going to take care of you. Just like last week on the dress. He said, why do you worry about clothes? I'm going to take care of you. That's the attitude about things and where we put our trust. If we trust in things, we think, I've got to have this. I've got to have this so I can be comfortable and retire. I've got to make that happen. I've got to have more stuff in the 401k so I can take care of me. Well, what have we done? We left him out of it. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about retirement and a few things. And he said, yeah, he said, I've got stuff put away, and we've been saving for years and all that. He said, I don't look at it. He said, I don't like to look at it because that makes me think I'm in charge, that I've got it covered. I thought, man, that's an awesome thought. That's a Hebrews 13.5 thought. Where's our priorities? All right, now let's go to a lengthy one. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 19. This has got a whole lot of information about materialism in it. It starts out, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And he had been talking about people who use godliness to try to make money in some way and all that. He says, godliness and contentment, that's good stuff. If you're godly and you're content with what you have, if you're not lusting after other things, that's good. Be content. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. What's that tell us? About things. About stuff. About possessions. It's temporary. It's staying here. Doesn't matter how much you give for it, how much you pay to have it, when you die, you're leaving it. Yeah, not going with you. It's all temporary. Verse 8 is interesting. He says, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. I don't know how many of my brethren and me could say that. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content. That's all we need. He, he points out we need very little. Now, I think we need a few more things than food and clothing, but not many more. You know, I'd like a nice warm place to stay. And a few other things, Paul didn't have that sometimes. But, but his point is, just be content with very, very little. We don't need very much. Listen to verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
How many people have you known that they get into some scheme that's going to get them rich overnight and flame out and lose everything? That's what he says right there. He says, people, that that's the most important thing for them. I want to get rich. He said, they get into the most messes. <laughs> they get into all these traps and snares and, and scams and leads to destruction. Well, why is that, Paul? Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay, that's why I call this entangled by materialism. Materialism is a problem by itself, but it is the root of all kinds of other problems. It can get you into so many messes, it gets you so tangled up, that this is beyond just hindering. This is going to keep some folks out of heaven. It causes all kinds of evil. Now let's read a little while. Uh, Love of money is root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This one will keep you from heaven. Verse 11, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything... And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Why did I read all that? Because it started with be content, be godly, and be content. And then he wraps it all up into eternal destiny. And then he goes back and picks up, well, those that do have money. What about them? I doubt if old Timothy had much money. I don't think traveling evangelists paid very well back then. Uh, He probably didn't have much of anything. But Paul, after telling him to keep this good commitment, then he says, Now, you command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, there's, you, you can want things. We can enjoy things. He gives things to us for our enjoyment. But it's the attitude about things. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So he says, if you're rich... You ought to be generous. Share with people. Don't store up things in your your safe or your safety deposit box or your accounts. Share some of it. That puts treasures in heaven. Doesn't say you can't be rich. He just says there's some other requirements. Don't trust in it. 
Don't put your trust in your riches. Be generous with them, rather. Yeah? Now, we read through those kind of things, and we see some things to lay aside. Now, that's all the verses I put. There could be some more. In fact, some of you are wondering, where's that verse about the rich people and the eye of the needle and the camel and all that? I would have put that in, but there's no rich people here. Number two, look for enticing sin with our trifocals. Now, if you're here this week and weren't here last week, this may look silly to you, but this is our way to look for enticing sin. First uh, John two fifteen sixteen. Remember that verse has the only three tricks in Satan's plan. Remember that verse. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. John says that's all there is in the world. That's the only tricks Satan has. Don't love the world. Here's the tricks he uses. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That doesn't come from the Father. Those things are from the world. Okay, so we learned that. So we put those and we look through those three things for enticing sin. Last week, we thought of dress, and then we looked for lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. We found all three of them. We found some other enticing sin that comes with that topic. Okay? Uh, today on your handout, I ask, which of those three, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, which of them has the most to do with materialism? I think I asked which one produces materialism, most closely connected to it. Think about the little one. I don't know what you'd pick. Uh, I would pick the lust of the eyes. I think that's what it is. I think that's the main deal with materialism is covetousness, seeing something and wanting it. I remember where we started. I want, I want, I want, I want. I want everything. That's what we do. We look and we say, I'd like to have that. That looks really good. Okay? So if we put on our trifocals and we look at materialism, what entangling sins can we find? Okay? Let's think how this works. When I say entangle, I talked about how it just keeps getting worse. You ever read in the paper about some bookkeeper that got fired and is going to prison for embezzlement? Sure, everybody's read about that. Now, I personally know what's happened in the church. The church treasurer did that. Okay? How does it start? Somebody has something they want that's a little bit more than how much they have. And if I had just a little bit more money, I could have that. So, well, I know how to keep the books here, and I think I can take part of this and nobody will ever notice. And they take a little bit from their company or their church or whoever they're working for, and they get that thing that they wanted. And they sit around for a while, and nobody says anything. <laughs> they got away with it. Then what happens? I can do that again. And they take a little more. 
And I say, well, and every bookkeeper that's been to a fifth grade bookkeeping class knows you're going to get caught. You know, somebody's going to audit it someday. But they all keep going. That's that entangling sin. And that covetous that started that first little bitty piece that they took just keeps going on and on and on. That's how this materialism thing works. I want, I want. How about this? I want what somebody else has. What's that produce? Envy. Jealousy. Are are those sins? Are they materialistic sins? Well, they come from materialism. You you look, you want that. I can't afford it, but they have it. Man, I envy them. And then it keeps going, and you get jealous of them. And maybe even somebody in the church. You can't be a close brother or sister anymore because of envy and jealousy. Think about it. You keep going far enough. Some people go get entangled enough that they'll steal it. I want that. No way I can afford it or ever get I'll go steal it. And when they catch me, I'll lie about it. How many sins you just keep coming down the pike on this? Materialism entangles us, entices us. All right, look through our glasses. How about flesh? Can you think of any lust of the flesh things that tie into materialism? Well, I guess $1,200 socks feel pretty good. You know, they're bound to feel good. At least you'd think they feel good. And that's lust of the flesh, feeling good, senses. Looks good, sounds good, feels good, sounds good. Think about that one. When I was young, we had a, I mean, you were really cool if you had a stereo record player. And all the kids are gone that don't know what a record player is. But anyhow, it had two speakers. And different things came out of each speaker. This was the most amazing thing in the world. You know, this was wonderful. That was stereo sound, wasn't it? That was cool. Okay, what do we want now for our sound flesh wants? We want THX. We want IMAX in the house. We want everything. We want to feel that. We want it to shake us in the chair. You know? My, my two little stereo speakers, if I turned them up very loud, it'd blow them out. But now we want it to blow the walls out. So how much money do we spend to get that feeling? Materialistic. I want that. How about pride of life? Think materialism ever goes into pride of life? I think a lot of times it goes there. In fact, I think that's most of what the stuff in that magazine are about. I don't think it's about materialism per se. I think it's about me having it. You know, if I can get a watch that they got a five-year waiting list for, how many people are going to have a cooler watch than me? You know, I am going to be up there. 
And if you've got to have the latest, the newest, the, the right label, something that makes you special, then materialism gets over into pride of life pretty quick. Okay, enough with that one. Let's go to number three. Searching for hindering weight with our magnifying glass. Hebrews 12, 1 is our magnifying glass. Does it help or hinder? Does it weigh us down? Does it slow us down? Does it help us run the race or not? Or does it hinder? Okay. This time, train that magnifying glass on materialism and start looking at things this way. Hebrews 12, 1 now. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about laying aside every ounce we can find. I wrote down just a few things that you might spot with your magnifying glass. Materialistic people get confused between wants and needs. Okay, What did Paul say we need? Food and clothes. That's what we need. Okay? You can add a few things to that list if you want to, but not many. But we think we've got to have things. And we even say it. I need that. Okay? It's become a cliche at our house that anybody says they need something, the other one parrots, do you want it or need it? You've got to stop and think about that. And you hardly need anything. In fact, I've said before, there's whole stores, there's whole malls you can go in there that have nothing anybody needs. Yeah, they don't stock it. It's just things that people want. Yeah, but if you get materialistic, you get confused about that. You think, I, I really do need that. Yeah. Overspending. That's where it goes. If you decide you need things, and you pretty soon you'll spend some money for it that maybe you didn't have. And if you overspend enough and consistently, what happens then? Okay. Pretty soon you go in debt. Now, you don't go in debt immediately. You may have enough money. I can afford this. Could, could I have afforded a $200 watch? Yeah. But I drew that line. I said, I don't really need that. And I think this one looks perfectly good for me. I like the looks of this one. And it's about the cheapest one that looks good to me. And that's where I'll stop. I could have spent $200. But if I did that on enough things... Pretty soon I'd go in debt. This is where it takes us. Now, once you get in debt, what do you got to do? Well, you either got to just keep going farther in debt, or you got to try to get out. And if you got to try to get out, you got to work more. Maybe get another job. And these aren't all related. Some people just work because they got to have that next promotion. They work because they got to have that overtime. They take a job that pays much better, but it also requires much, much more time, and they're working too much. And what's sacrificing? Important things in life. The family, the kids, the church. Okay? But once you start down this road, I, I want that, I need that, it can take you all these places. Once you do that, once you get to working too much and you're making lots of money and the, the wife is still mad at you and the kids don't know you and all that, how happy are you? Doesn't lead to happiness. 
If you did a poll of all the people that buy the stuff in that magazine, how many of them you think are happy? I don't know. They got some really cool stuff, but I don't know if they're happy. In fact, I doubt it. We talked about financial stewardship last week. That'll show up in the magnifying glass. How's your giving? What percentage are you giving? Well, if you get this wrong attitude about things and stuff and possessions become more important than spiritual things, you may start to cut back a little bit on that giving stuff. I really need this new so-and-so. Cut back. See all those places that go? Now, are, are any of those sins? Yeah, they can be sins. But mostly, what do they do? They just slow us down. They keep us from running the race. They keep us from walking as worthy as we could. All right. This series is about holiness and laying aside. It's not about salvation. It's about the Christian walk. It's about how we run the race. And some of those things are more important than others. Uh, This one's serious. I put down... At the bottom, a wake-up call. I've talked too long about everything else to, to do all of this, but I will do the first part of it. I left you a big empty space there under wake-up call. Okay? What I want you to do is go home and fill that in with what you've got, what you have. Okay? I'm, I'm not kidding. You don't have to bring it back and have me sign it or anything. I just want you to do it. Okay? Here's some tips for you. Your house, your dwelling, how many square feet is it? How big a house you got? How many cars you have? How many TVs? How many computers? How many electronic devices? You probably can't even count computers in your house. probably don't even know some things have got computers in them, but give it a shot. How many labor-saving appliances have you got? Uh, washer, dryer, vacuum cleaner, garbage disposal, things that help. And then how many appliances have you got that just make things more comfortable? Air conditioners, heaters, fans, attic fans, all of that. Just things that make it comfortable to live. I won't ask you how many clothes you got, but go in all your closets and measure the rod length that you got clothes on. How many feet of clothes have you got in your house? Measure all your closets. And if you have to, go over to your storage space and measure there too. That's where you put that stuff that you don't even have a room for that you bought. Okay, go measure that too. How many pairs of shoes you got? Now, here's where it gets hard, man. Get out in the garage and count the sports equipment. How many sets of golf clubs? How many fishing poles? How many fun vehicles you got that you don't need to get to work in? Boats, motorcycles. Bicycles. Make a list of the magazines that you take. I think magazines are a pretty good indicator. I mean, if you subscribe to Rob Report, we need to talk privately, you know? (laughs) You can look at it occasionally on the newsstand, but if that comes every month, you're in trouble. Um, (laughs) It'll tell you what topics that you're looking at stuff about. I want this stuff. And then go check yourself storage units, see what you put in there. Just, just make a list of all the stuff you have. 
Okay. Now, I was going to tell you about four relatives. We're going to skip through all of that. I've got the estates of, uh, let's go down to Jesus' warning at the bottom. I've got the estates listed of four of my relatives and what they had when they died. And there's not very much there on most of them. One of them died in 1939. She had something. Maud was my great-grandmother, uh, my grandmother. And she had some basics. She had four mules and a cow and two bedsteads, four sheets, six quilts, one radio, one vacuum cleaner. Okay, Not much there. Uh, go on back if you want to. Next one's the other three are... Uh, Smythe died in 1824, John Tandy died in 1640, and Thomas died in 1588. Okay? Uh, Thomas had some sheep, the corn on the ground, two bedsteads, two feather beds, and some brass and pewter. And that was his estate, a total of 10 British pounds. Okay? Now, the others had a little bit more progressively. But at the bottom of the page, I put Jesus' warning. Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, my wake-up call is Jesus did not say that to people that read the Rob Report. People didn't see it. Jesus didn't say it to that page you're going to write. Then have a big house and two or three cars and all that stuff. He didn't write it to old Maud who had one car and two beds and four sheets. He didn't say it to Smythe or John or Thomas who had two bedsteads and two feather beds and a little brass and pewter. Who he said that to, who he was talking to in Luke twelve fifteen, he was warning people who lived in a tent, maybe three generations lived in that tent, and they had a pot to hold some water maybe, and a pair of sandals and an oil lamp. And he told those people when they came to hear him, he said, you watch out. You on be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions. Does that hit you as hard as it hits me? If Jesus told those people who lived in a tent and had one little oil lamp and one pair of sandals and a robe maybe, he said, you guys watch out. Materialism will get you. Materialism is dangerous. It'll entangle you. Abundance of possessions. It's not what life's about. If he was one of those people, what do you think he would say to us today? I told you materialism was not only a big topic, it was a dangerous topic. Okay. Are you starting to see what this series is about? Laying aside. Last week wasn't about a dress code. Today's not about taking a vow of poverty. 
it's about the priorities we put on things and all this stuff that Satan puts out there to slow us down. Or, or to, just to get us off track. In fact, remember what Paul said to Timothy. He said, Satan puts this stuff out there and he's got some people to completely leave the path. They've left the faith because of things. We want to walk worthy as we can because he died for us. Materialism is dangerous. Watch out, be on your guard. And especially us today, we need to do that. If you need to change something in your life, the lesson is yours. If you need to put Christ on in baptism, we'd be happy to help you. If you need us to pray with you about something, if you need to commit yourself to a less materialistic life, we'd pray with you about that. Whatever you need, come and stand. Let's stand and sing.